0: Hi, I'm Meredith Steeler with Steeler Ranch in Kerrville, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin.
2: Hello Texas, we are ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me, buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, recent rains have caused many Texas wheat farmers to start getting this crop in the ground right now. But input costs are still very high, and keeping an eye on every dollar will count this year. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State, And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
3: Even with as tough a season as we've had in the Texas High Plains, there's still some cotton out there that can be harvested. But what makes it the right decision to do so? I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today
4: protecting cattle herds against persistently infected calves. There are steps producers can take to prevent PI calves from affecting their herds. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
5: Rain has eased the drought, at least some here on the Rolling Plains, and producers are looking at the best road to recovery. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have the story in today's report.
2: We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The new wheat crop is going in the ground all over Texas right now, and it's going to be an expensive crop to plant this year with fertilizer prices still very high. John Fenderson, regional agronomist with West Bread Wheat, says you need to know what you have in the soil before you plant.
6: I say it over and over, and, I, and people probably get tired of me saying it, you need to soil test. And and I'm going to throw growers under the bus here a little bit. Uh, We don't soil sample the way we should. And, Quite often, we can be throwing money away. Uh, is a mobile nutrient, and, and obviously putting nitrogen down when we don't need it. It can leach away. It can volatilize at times. Uh, but when we have subpar crops like we had this past year, we probably have some residual nitrogen out there. Uh, and we can take advantage of that by not putting out extra nitrogen.
2: But that doesn't mean to skimp on nutrients when you put the crop in the ground.
6: I never would recommend, though, that a farmer go out and not put a pop-up or starter fertilizer down, a small amount of fertilizer to get the crop off to a good start. It's so important, whether we're having colder and wetter fall conditions where plants may not want to grow as fast, it's very important that we have an ample supply of available phosphate for that plant. In the same way, when conditions are drier than normal, Uh, It's very, very important that we have some phosphate there uh, for that plant to establish that root system because in these drier conditions, it's more important than ever that we've got a good root system
2: established. Fenderson says many Texas farmers are planting early this year to take advantage of recent rains. This has been a hectic year for many Texas livestock auctions. At the height of the summer destocking, Ronnie Harden with Graham Livestock Commission in Graham, Texas, sold over 4,000 head in one week. He says he couldn't do that without a dedicated crew working the barn.
7: You know, I could not do any of this here without hands. We got a whale of a crew that run these cattle through, goes from the office to the back do it without them so i don't take any credit <laughs> i take all i give all my credit success for this barn to my hands and the buyers all the guys in the back many women in the back girls in the office that's exactly what who makes this happen everybody on the same page we got a good crew that's all on the same page one knows what the other's going to do and that's what makes the cell barn roll.
2: harden says he prefers the regular 1500 head runs as opposed to selling more than twice that in one week. To harvest or not to harvest? James Hunt says that's the question for many Texas High Plains cotton growers right now.
3: It's been a very tough season for growing cotton in the Texas High Plains, but some areas have gotten just enough rainfall that a harvest is possible. But is it economically wise to do so? And how can you tell? Danny Nusser is the regional program leader for Texas A&M AgriLife. Nusser says on Tuesday, September 13th, AgriLife is hosting an online conversation to let farmers in our region hear from the experts.
8: We're very fortunate right now that cotton prices are very good. So, you know, when you're looking at $1.10, $1.15 cotton, even if you have some dryland cotton or some irrigated cotton out there that's not very good, it may still justify harvesting it. So that's kind of what we're going to look at. How do you tell what your potential yield is? Is the quality and maturity there that you need? And maybe making some decisions on... Uh, should I go ahead and run a stripper through there? Is it justified going ahead and, and taking advantage of the higher prices? And then in some of our irrigated areas, some of these guys may be thinking about, do I use some harvest aids? Do I get it out a little bit quicker? Those decisions have to be made here in the next two or three weeks. So we're going to look at and discuss the economics of that and kind of how it looks. And um, we'll have Kerry uh, Siders, who's an IPM agent in Hockley, Cochrane, and Lamb County talking about that, and then Will Edwards, who is a risk management specialist in Lubbock. He's got a uh, decision aid that kind of helps producers work through those decisions and cost analysis, and so he's going to be visiting about that too. The online
3: program that Danny Nusser of AgriLife just described is free and is coming up Tuesday, September 13th at 10 a.m. Contact AgriLife for details on how to link to that conversation. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: BVD PI calves are a constant threat to cattle herds here in Texas. Tom Nicoletti talks with one expert about the dangers of persistently infected BVD calves. Persistently infected calves,
4: also known as PI calves, are one of the greatest threats facing the cattle industry. However, many cattle producers in Texas and across the country may not even realize those calves are in their herds. Dr. John Davidson is Senior Associate Director of Beef Professional Services at Boehringer Ingelheim. He talks about the situation.
9: So BVD virus is important because it impacts every segment of the cattle industry, both beef and dairy, within the beef segments from the cow-calf producer, to the stocker, to the feedlot. The BVD virus has far-reaching implications. It has serious effects on the reproductive performance of an operation. It has immunosuppressive effects, which ultimately causes cattle to be more vulnerable and susceptible to important pathogens for bovine respiratory disease.
4: Dr. Davidson says there are steps producers can take to prevent persistently infected calves from affecting their herds.
9: Keeping good records is a great start. Understanding and appreciating the maintenance of the reproductive performance, the morbidity, sickness rates in your calf crop. These are key indicators. And then when you start to have indication that there's an issue, whether it's a reproductive issue or a respiratory disease issue, then beginning the process to investigate that, working with your local practitioner, your veterinarian that is adept at performing diagnostic testing, helping collect the appropriate samples. The other things that we look at is very good common sense animal husbandry, good biosecurity practices.
4: That is Dr. John Davidson with Bowringer Ingelheim. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: Rain has eased the drought a bit on the Texas Rolling Plains. Barry Mahler has an update from Wichita Falls.
5: As I've seen a number of times in my life, we went from severe drought in many areas of Texas to flooding. Now, don't get me wrong. We were excited to see the thunderstorms of August bring relief from a long grass spell, but it did bring quite a bit of damage to parts of the state. One thing that farmers and ranchers watch for in any drought is how widespread is it? What areas other than us affecting and how will prices react to it? If you're a rancher running out of water and feed for your cattle, you'd like to find a place not too far away with rain that could cattle, or even own them, preventing selling them off in a stressed market. Now, grain is in a similar scenario. If we have a short crop or no crop at all, will the area be large enough to affect the market, offering some marketing opportunities available during the recovery? They help recoup some of the losses. Well, in the most recent round, the answer to both questions seemed to be less than desirable. Major areas of the southwest, the large ranching areas, were dry, so most of them were thinning or liquidating herds just like everyone else. We're killing lots of good productive cows and heifers right now, so a rebuild will take some time to complete, and the low numbers will take at least a couple of years to overcome. The market could be good, but there's not going to be much to sell. The grain markets have not only been affected by the drought, but also export disruption in the world, mainly to the war in Ukraine. An agreement signed by Ukraine and Russia has allowed at least a limited number of ships to move wheat, and that takes some of the extended price increase out of the market As the disruption kind of eases worldwide now the drought did affect the u.s wheat crop from here on the rolling plains all the way across the winter wheat belt but the latest numbers from usda sees wheat production up 2 million bushels from previous estimates that's mainly due to a better outlook for spring wheat here in the united states even though the corn projections are down some due to the midwest drought it does not appear to be short enough to move the market significantly higher So with corn selling in the mid $7 per bushel range and wheat in the low to mid $8 range, the market is better than it was three years ago, but just barely offsetting higher input costs at the moment. So not a lot of opportunity for catching up from the reduction of income and the drought. Reporting from North Central Texas, I'm Barry Mahler for Texas Ag Today.
0: We are moving closer to the start of dove hunting season in the South Zone. There are a few things that hunters should remember as we embark on the opening day. I'm Jessica Dolmwell, and I'll have those details coming up on Texas Ag Today.
2: And arthritis in a horse's neck is not uncommon. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery.
8: Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation.
1: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas
2: Ag Today. Arthritis in a horse's neck is very common. Dr. Bob Judd says it's not only painful, but it can also affect the horse's gait.
7: A group of researchers in France sought to determine the signs of lameness that are typically related to arthritis in the horse's neck. The cervical vertebral site of vertebrae 6 and 7 are commonly affected by nerve compression due to bone disorders. So the scientists experimentally created nerve root dysfunction with a nerve block in French trotters to observe their clinical signs. These vertebrae are at the lower neck and are difficult to examine and treat as there are not only intervertebral disc joints, but also joints of the articular processes for each vertebrae. The articular processes are sort of like wings that diverge from each vertebral body, and the wings are attached to the adjacent intervertebral wings, forming joints where arthritis can develop. These areas can develop a lot of stress from motion of the spine, especially in ridden horses, and stress can increase the risk of arthritis. The researchers indicated that osteoarthritis in the C6-C7 joint can lead to compression of the 7th cervical nerve, which is associated with shoulder and foreleg sensation. Horses with 7th cervical nerve cord compression at the C6-C7 junction had shortened strides and tightened gaits. They also exhibited a general lack of shoulder tone, and the horse would swing the shoulder out to the side further and keep it out further when standing. These horses also placed their front foot out to the side while walking. However, there was no falling or stumbling, as was expected in these cases, of seventh cervical nerve involvement. So the important point is that lameness does not have to involve the leg, and arthritis in the neck can also lead to lameness in horses. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We're moving
2: closer to the start of dove season in the south zone of Texas. Jessica Dommel tells us there are a few things to remember as we get closer to opening day.
0: Dove hunting season in the South Zone officially opens Wednesday. Owen Fitzsimmons, Webless Migratory Game Bird Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, joins us with a few reminders for hunters.
10: A few requirements to keep in mind as you approach the season, along with your hunting license, you're going to need to be sure that you have the $7 migratory game bird endorsement. That's a state endorsement on your license. You want to be sure that you are HIP certified. And HIP is H-I-P, that stands for Harvest Information Program. You can get that online or when you get your license at an outside vendor like Walmart or Academy, they'll ask you a few questions about last year's migratory bird activity, hunting activity. And then also, of course, make sure that you have your hunter education certification as well.
0: Hunter education is required for all hunters in Texas born on or after September 2, 1971. The daily bag limit for all three dove hunting zones is 15 birds per day with no more than two white-tipped. Possession limit is three times the daily bag. Invasive Eurasian collar doves do not contribute to a hunter's bag.
10: It's not required to keep any identifying plumage like a wing or anything on doves, but we do suggest, highly suggest that if you are bagging any Eurasian collar doves as part of your bag, just go ahead and leave a wing or some other identifying plumage on them just to make sure that they're not counted as part of your your game bird bag limit.
0: Legal dove hunting hours are one half hour before sunrise to sunset. Simmons encourages hunters to be mindful of the heat when hunting, stay hydrated, and ensure your hunting partners, including dogs, do so as
10: well. So keep it safe and don't overdo it. Have a good hunt. Make sure that you get home safe.
0: Be sure to check the Outdoor Annual app or OutdoorAnnual.com for all of this year's regulations and season dates. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal. Higher closes
2: across the board on Friday in livestock, cotton, and grains. We'll check out all of Friday's market trade coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
4: Texas A&M Forest Service is helping to protect lives, property, and livelihoods from wildfire. Dangerous wildfire weather conditions in the state can look like just any other day. Hot, dry, and windy. But a specific mix of weather factors can be conducive to a devastating wildfire outbreak. Learn what to look for. Listen to officials. Evacuate early. Your actions could help save your life, property, and livelihood. For more information on wildfire weather warnings, visit ticc.tamu.edu.
1: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We closed out the week Friday
2: with a higher trade in just about every agricultural market. Livestock, cotton, grains, all finishing higher to end the week on Friday. We'll start with cattle as we always do. October Live Cattle up $1.30, $145.67. The December up $1.32 at $150.97. February live cattle up $1.07, dollar seven, one hundred fifty five thirty five. September feeder cattle up sixty seven at one hundred eighty three even, October feeders up a $1. dollar 18557 the November up a $1. dollar seven, one hundred eighty six eighty two. Cash fed cattle trade mostly steady this week. Here in the south, we sold fed cattle at 141. That's steady with the previous week's trade. Up north, we had live sales at 142 to 145. Again, steady with what we saw last week. Now, dressed sales up north, 226 to 227. That's about two bucks lower compared to the previous week's average. Boxed beef prices lower on Friday choice down 77 cents at 25724 select down 2 at 23602 Now let's check the auction barns we're walking the pens with Larry Marble Benny Cox has a sheep and goat sale every Tuesday there at Producers in Cargill. Benny, how was this last one?
11: We got along real good, Larry. We had forty five hundred and forty one head of sheep and goats uh, compared to last week. These wool feeder lambs, we had a pretty good jag of them. Uh, they were they sold on the farm side. Uh, slaughter lambs, the hair sheep type, sold kind of three to five dollars higher with some of these light feeders selling awful good again. Some of those up to three twenty three. Uh, the slaughter ewes, they softened up a little. We didn't have a whole lot of them yesterday. They were kind of 3 to $5 lower. Kid goats, kind of 10 to 15 higher on those neat ones. Uh, slaughter nannies, 110 to 187, mostly 158 to 167. They're easing on up there. Uh, slaughter billies sell from 190 all the way up to 245. The spread on those wool feeder lambs was 171 up to 214 on the slaughter lambs. Hair sheep type from 220 up to 307. The heavier weights, 140 to 250. Uh, these, these uh, actually these hair sheep ewe lambs. We had a number of those yesterday. We did have one group. For those that weighed uh, up in the 70s, they only bring $3 a pound. Uh, looking at the uh, the ewes, kind of selling the 90 to 123 uh, range, mostly 105 to 112. Kid goats, they sell from 220 to 325, but mostly 281 to 316. With some of those fancy feeder kids up to 371, and some of those show prospects were still getting those, they sold up to as high as 590. Tell them how to call you. They can call me on my mobile at 325-234-4277. The office, same area code, 653-3371. Or they can always look at the web, which is producersandcargile.com. Have a good sale. Thank you. Right,
2: I'll to you next week. Bye-bye.
11: Neighbor, this is Larry Marble in San Angelo
2: reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. we lean hogs finished higher on Friday. October hogs up a dollar five ninety three seventeen. The December up forty five eighty three twelve. Class three milk was higher Friday. September milk up a penny at nineteen eighty 80 hundred weight. October milk up thirty five, twenty ninety four hundred. hundred. The cotton market closed higher as traders get ready for Monday's USDA Supply and Demand Report. Of course, last month really shocked the market. USDA cut domestic cotton production by 3 million bales, so it'll be interesting to see what they come up with in this month's report. December cotton up 100 points Friday, ending the week at 104.84. March cotton up 70 at 101.45. December 23 cotton up 65 points at 82.67. Corn and wheat both getting a boost from a sharp drop in the US dollar. September corn up 24 cents, 6.98 and a half, December corn up 16 and a half at 6.85 a bushel. Wheat also getting support over Vladimir Putin's complaints this week about the Ukrainian grain export deal. That's had the wheat market a bit jumpy all throughout the week. We ended up closing on Friday with new crop July, Kansas City wheat up 35 cents, 9.16 and a quarter. July, Chicago wheat up 34 and a half at 8.84 a bushel. In the energy markets, October natural gas up 11 cents, 8.03. October crude oil up 289 at 86.43 a barrel. The financial markets higher Friday afternoon, the Dow up 412 points, 32,187. The NASDAQ up 250 points, 12,113. The S&P up 66 at 4,072. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A,
1: Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today.